Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live, you know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We're talking fantasy sports and Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Smith for Step SP, doing what I got to do, because I do it for you all every day, and I want to thank my homeboy, JTAT Money, for staying in there, hooking me up, and loving a brother like he does. So, without any type of bad view or anything about that, as he says, it's about time, let's talk to JTAT Money. What's up, JT? Nothing much, man. You got your, it looked like you got yourself together here. It's uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, your mic sounds good, and you're awake. I'm impressed. You know what? Because I went to bed early, and I, I made sure I wasn't tricked. I wasn't connived. I wasn't uh, hoodwinked, bamboozled. You know, sometimes a brother gets put to sleep, and sometimes a brother puts things to sleep. But that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Okay. So uh, today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be about uh, IDPs, all about IDPs, okay? Uh, what I'm going to do uh, is I'm going to – can you hear that click in the background, Jerry? Can you hear when it, there's a da 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 or anything? Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let J – not JJ. I'm going to let Jerry – uh, go on a rant for about five to ten minutes as I adjust a few things here. But today's topic is IDPs, plain and simple, IDPs, okay? Um, we're going to touch upon uh, defensive linemen, defensive linemen. And uh, is J.J. Watt going to be my number one or Jerry's number one? We'll see. But before we get to that, I want Jerry to go ahead and filibuster a little bit on two subjects. And I, one I know he's going to talk forever about. But the first one, the first one, I wanted to talk about what's going on in the NFL. People getting injured. People, uh, you know, look like they don't know what they're doing, look like what they're doing. Uh, San Diego signing another receiver. What's wrong with the receivers they have? You know, all these other things. And then, if there's time permitting, while I'm done, I want Jerry to talk about uh, gold star families. I think he knows what I'm talking about when uh, I put that out there. But gold star families. We'll see. JT, take it away, brother. All right. For one, 
Mr. G, Mr. FSP has been um, talking about this guy um, and saying that he's in for a big season. I I I dispute the fact, and when uh, my rankings come out, it'll reflect that. I'm talking about the wide receiver from um, the Tennessee Titans, Dorio Green Beckham. I see seeing on on the internet. I've gotten um, um, I want to say messages, but I've gotten uh, a look at Dorian Green Beckham, and what I said earlier is holding true. He is completely lost. Um, he may have all the ability in the world, but he's not the the, the, the sharpest tack in, in, in the in the bowl, so to speak. Uh, he's not being able to pick up the concepts, not being able to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, that is a problem, huge problem. Uh, for the um, um, Tennessee Titans. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year, and they need every swing and you-know-what to be on point to be able to make any kind of noise in the AFC South. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Marcus Mariota and and, and company, uh, which includes a new rookie, um, Derrick Henry, who is also not looking too well. Uh Slow to the hole, the hole's there, indecisive, dancing feet, something that he reflects when he was in Alabama, um, that uh, and Alabama backs in particular, that for whatever reason are uh, not as dynamic as when they uh, play in college for the University of Alabama and they come to uh, the NFL and seem to, just like Wisconsin backs, seem to disappoint uh, Derrick Henry. Big back, so you don't expect him. Hope you're hoping he does, but you don't expect him to be slow to the hole when the hole's open. It's not going to be like a two-yard hole like you have in Alabama that you can run through. It's more like half that size, if that, and you got to make your way and be on time because those hole, as quick as those close, excuse me, as quick as those holes open up, they close. This is the NFL. This is Big Boys League. You got to be able to uh, perform. So those two guys, last year's rookie Dario Green Beckham, this year's rookie Derrick Henry on the Tennessee Titans, are definitely um, having issues on picking up the uh, offense and being effective in the offense. And uh, it's probably going to take more of uh, Derrick Henry to. No, I let me let me let me. Walk back on this. It's probably going to take more for Dorian Green Beckham to gain the trust of the coaches and and, and uh, Marcus Mariota than it was Derrick Henry, um, because uh, you can always use a big back if he's not in the open field between the twenties. You can always use him down on the goal line if if if, if his weak if his weakness is trying to hit the hole between the twenties versus getting a, a one or two yards uh, with a big back. He can pretty much move the line. Um, but uh, those two guys actually really stand out that um, I've, I've, uh, I've seen online on, on that uh, they're having issues on trying to adjust to the speed and, and the nuances of the NFL. Another guy which is near and dear to Victor's uh, Redskins um, is uh, Jock Doxon. Uh-oh. Already hurt. Um, don't know when he's going to come back because he's dealing with a lower lower uh, leg injury and uh, Achilles to be to be exact and that is never good. 
especially when you're coming into leagues and you're dealing with it. Not trying to downplay it. Trying to say that it's not a major thing, but they're holding him out. And, and, and uh, hopefully he can make the first preseason game, which um, sources say that is more than not likely to happen. So already he's behind the curve. He's probably just doing um, some sideline drills, individual drills, and not performing with the team and getting that rhythm with Kurt Cousins, which is a dot, which is a uh, which is a issue. Now, I know Victor and a lot of uh, um, fantasy football so-called experts have saying that this guy can be a big red thro- red zone threat. Well, he's got to be healthy first. Got to be available first. So, and, and he's a rookie. So he, besides learning the speed of the game, learning his quarterback and his uh, um, teammates, he's got to be able to stay on the field and be effective. So that's all I can say about that. I don't know uh, how much further you want me to go on the other one. The other one you want me to talk about? The other one was your favorite subject, a person that uh, wants to talk about gold star families. Oh. Gold Star Families, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. You know, I saw something on 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 Facebook, and I I, po- I um, sp- shared it with uh, several people. It was a video. Mr. Trump should be ashamed of himself accepting a Purple Heart from a uh, a Purple Heart winner and saying he's always wanted this. He he got it. To, he but this was much easier getting it, and a- absolutely. Disparaging um, the, the parents. Um, I think it's Kazir Khan. I may be pronouncing his first name uh, bad, uh, wrongly, but uh, last name is Khan, who his son, Captain Khan, was killed over in, in the Middle East, um, protecting his men and received a, uh, a Purple Heart. Came on the DNC uh, floor and, and um, called out Mr. Trump on the way he's been acting as a Republican nominee. Now, Mr. Khan is a Republican. I'll say that again. Mr. Khan is a Republican at the DNC convention. And seems like he's a devoted Republican. So if Donald Trump had um, shown any kind of semblance of being a halfway decent and I, yeah, I said that halfway decent Republican Republican nominee, Mr. Khan, will be backing him. But because of Donald Trump's divisiveness, because of Donald Trump's uh, lack of tact, lack of any kind of class, lack of any kind of knowledge about uh, anything that's relevant uh, uh, um, that has to do with the Republican Republican nominee, other than Donald Trump himself would have realized that Mr. Khan was calling him out and telling him that preventing immigrants to come to this country is not in the best interest of the U.S. Labeling one religious uh, organization, or I shouldn't say organization, one religion as being pro- one of the problems in the U.S. is strengthening or just intensifying 
the enemy as ISIS. Now, I just read an article, okay? And, and this has got to do with Mr. Khan and, and a lot of other Republicans, uh, well-known Republicans, that are um, really uh, cringing when they even talk, say the name Donald Trump. XCI director just came out in the last couple of days in Dorothy Hillary Clinton saying she, she's more qualified to be the commander-in-chief than most people know. Saying that she was one of the ones that really was pushing to get Osama bin Laden and really pushing to, to uh, uh, do a lot of things that had to do with the American people fighting um, over in the, in the Middle East. Saying she, she would be an absolutely better person without a shadow of a doubt with the nuclear codes. So Donald Trump, for all those people, for all those people who think that Donald Trump is going to change his ways, I said way back in when it was 17 of them, he is who he is. He's not going to change for anybody. He's a spoiled rich kid. He's a grown-up Johnny Manziel. Oh, wow. You didn't hear what a grown-up Johnny Manziel. He's a grown-up. Johnny Manziel, he's born with a silver spoon or a platinum spoon, whatever you want to say, and he's a spoiled, grown-ass man that is still acting like a spoiled Johnny Manziel. Trust me when I say this. Donald Trump, and I said it in the beginning, I've seen this kind before, and Donald Trump only cares about Donald Trump. For people who are backing Donald Trump, look, check this out. Go online and find out about Donald Trump. It doesn't take much because he's ripped off small businesses left and right. He's bankrupted his, his companies to, to avoid paying his bills. He's, 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 uh, uh, um, he has to go to trial for the Trump University is scamming people. And well, wait a minute. I, Let I me was going to say, okay. This is, this, is, this, is, this is really important because if there's one person that knows him, uh, no other person would know him. It's this guy. Michael Bloomberg came on the TV. No, no. His lawyer. His lawyer said, don't even trust Donald Trump. But, but besides that, now, Donald Trump runs in a very um, certain uh, circle. A re- very small circle. A billionaire circle. And one of those billionaires, self-made billionaire, is Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City, who was a Republican who was a Democrat and now is an independent. He was also at the DNC, and he called Donald Trump. He says, I know Donald Trump because he runs in those circles that Donald Trump runs in. He knows Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is a con man. That's what he, exactly what he said. He's a con man. And for those people that are, are blind and don't want to see Donald Trump for who he is, keep following him down that dirty trail and you're going to get just as dirty as he will um there's no way in god's green earth now i'm not saying it won't happen but any right thinking person in the united states that votes for donald trump is on the going to be on the losing side that that's that that's plain and simple any right thinking person that excuse me any right thinking person that uh votes for uh, uh doesn't vote for donald trump it's going to be on the side of a winning team. 
and someone that you would you would um, better be off, better off with someone that is has a quick trigger and has no concept of how to deal with um, other countries, and it's only good for ripping people off and and talking a good game and not following through. Talk to me. Okay, I was going to try to transition to football because he made a comment about a, a letter from the NFL. But um, I'll tell you like this, he Jerry. He lied. Yeah, he, he did. He did. Um, he called but, Hillary a liar. Come on, man. Come on. Well, this is why I wanted to get your, your blood boiling just a little bit. But here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I needed to talk about that topic just briefly because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm not a – uh, um, Purple Heart recipient. I don't know anybody that really wants to be a Purple Heart recipient. I know people right. that want to get a cab, and a cab is a combat action badge, which means that mm-hmm. uh, you you were fired upon and you returned fire, and uh, is documented. And people get that they wear it proudly on their uh, chest in their uniform. But I. I I'm going to defend them just a little bit, just a little bit before we get to football. I believe what he said when he received the Purple Heart from uh, the former um, service member yeah. is that uh, he said it. I think he was trying to be gracious in saying, you know, um, I've always wanted one and this was a lot easier, so on and so forth. I think he was trying to be genuine in saying it. But it, it it did not come across, nor was it, or should it have been uh, expressed in the way that he did. Uh, a Purple Heart is, I, I, I got it. I got it. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, as I said, I understand what he was trying to do. I do not defend it, nor do I respect what he did. Um, I think that the guy... And I said this as soon as I found that he was running, and we can go back to the annals of our show, and uh, I forget which show I said it, but it's like Brewster's Million, the movie that Richard Pryor and John Candy did, where he was a guy that came into billions of dollars, and in order to make more money, he had to spend So Richard Pryor did, he ran for president. And he was winning. And then he was also making more money. He and he decided, he no, he ran man. for president. It was president. He ran for president because his whole platform was don't vote for me. But people were voting for him. <laughs> and people were enthused by his his uh, platform and how he was and all that other mess. And uh, he wasted money, but in, in the... Uh, Interim, he was going to get like uh, another thirty million dollars or whatever it was. Right. So that's that's where I'm looking at Donald Trump. Why? Because he's invested his money in his own campaign. Got it. So he's going to get a return on his investment. That that's what's happening here. He's going to get his money back because he loaned it to the campaign, and he's he's not going to lose any money. Here, if anything, he's getting more popular with certain groups of people, and uh, 
bringing out that group of people in droves, your friends, your neighbors, some relatives, you know, that you didn't know harbored such feelings for, for yep. other people are, yep. is getting exposed. Now, yep. do, do I think that uh, what he's doing is right? Hell no. But I can tell you right now that what he's doing is exposing the real ugly American. And being in the military, when I go to different places and do uh, my job and you hear all oh, the ugly American or you say you see somebody acting stupid, like, why don't they speak English? Well, how about you speak a little French, speak a little Hangul or try to speak it instead of expecting everybody to uh, to speak English. He's espousing that mindset. And showing the world what we really are, you know, and and that's the sad part, because even though economically we're getting better as a country, uh, even though we are trying to uh, make life better for everybody and not just a certain. There's an underbelly. There's an underbelly, just like the underworld. That. Uh, they they lurk in the shadows and they do their their dirt under the guise of darkness. Prime example in, in a town just recently in a town where there was only one black firefighter. One of his coworkers had been harassing him, threatening to kill his family and everything, and this firefighter, he and his family. Barely made it out of a house that his co-worker set on fire because he's black. Now, remember, I said your co-workers, your friends, people that you, that you think are okay with you because they have to work with you or whatever the case may be. They show one side, but when they go home, they feel, you know, a release. And the man, Donald Trump has brought these types of people to the forefront and they are feeling themselves as if, you know what? I ain't got to hide no more, which in a way, in my opinion, in my opinion, huh? We talked about this before that it gives, gives them a license because of what he's saying, gives them a license and, and and the um, reassurance that they can come out and say whatever they want to say and act whatever they act, whatever way they want to act. I said that. Months ago, when he started his rant, I saw it, said that months ago, and it's proven to be right on point. Exactly. I mean, you can go to a lot of these daggone rallies that he's putting on, and I posted something on my Facebook page being said at these rallies, especially when he speaks and when his people go up there and speak, and what's going on outside of the rallies. Afterwards, you know, how people are. Now, the problem is this, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to get back to sports in a second. But um, how difficult to turn back from what we have been witnessing if, and I say if, because there's a lot of them out there, if Donald Trump loses, how difficult will it be to 
go to work with these same people that you thought were your coworkers and and friends. You know, you got a, a firefighter burning down another firefighter's house because he's black. Got people in the south and the north, all over the, the country chanting things, saying things about people buy gas from on a daily basis. People work for them. It's okay to let them go pick your your, your oranges and work your groves, but you want them gone. And here's this, here's the social experiment. Here is a real social experiment. Let's say some of these ethnicities that did cross the border or came into the country legally in any way, shape, or form, whether they're uh, not military, whether they're Mexican or Muslim or whatever the case may be, let's say they all leave. Let's just say that. And you're left with the majority of the white race as, you know, the majority again, because it's no longer the majority with some blacks, and I say blacks because I was born in America. I wasn't born in Africa, but I'm African-American, a heritage, that is. Who's going to do the work that these other folks wouldn't do? I tell you what's going to happen. The prison system is flooded with all manner of people, majority People of color, Latino and black. Guess who's going to be working those fields for 10 cents an hour? Modern slavery. Because once you get rid of them, you have nobody that's going to go work in those hot fields in the sun 12 hours a day for little, for, for next to nothing and appreciate it. Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. You would have, you already have a system of of ethnic people imprisoned. And you want to, let's rehabilitate them? Well, let's put them to work. I do that. Hmm, easy. All the Mexicans are gone. All the Asians are gone. And our good blacks, well, they're they're accepting their roles. Let's let's put them out in the fields in California and, and and places like that. Where you have someone to oversee them so that no one runs off. History repeats itself, ladies and gentlemen. You enslave a person. Then you find a way to use that person to your benefit. Now, I can't say this on my Facebook page. I can't say it on other pages without making a declaration, and I'll do it right now, that my views are solely that of mine. Not because I'm in the military. I can't you know, speak about this type of stuff because I'm in the military um, from that standpoint. But Victor Gardner's views are very simple. Those people that are like Donald Trump, who have the mindset of Donald Trump, would like nothing more than to eliminate 
any threat of not being the dominant uh, uh, ethnicity or or culture in the United States. And return, as a lot of these folks say, to when America was great. And my question is, to anybody that believes that slogan, what time period are you saying that America was great and over the past 20 years it has not been getting better? What time period are you talking about? You're talking about the 40s, the 50s, when women and men uh, weren't equal, when Jim Crow was around and there was separate but equal? And I venture to say this, this is the last thing I'm going to say. This is the last thing I'm going to say because we got to get back to the show. We got to get back to the show. Last thing I'm going to say. Maybe, you know, Mr. Maybe black people were happier and better off under Jim Crow. Because I, I, I think about it this way. I, well, I'm about to explain to you real quick. Because back then, black people had their own businesses. They, they, they had to support one another because you couldn't use a white establishment. There was more pride in the black community than it was or is now. That's the only thing that I see that was good about Jim Crow, that blacks and others, because there was the Asian community as well, not that many Latinos, but maybe he was right in saying that we were happier. Because I tell you right now, if you put your money in a, in a bank, and I've seen this countless times through the news where lenders using their Facebook pages to describe certain ethnicities. But these are the people that decide who gets the loans in the world. They make these comments and then all of a sudden, bam, it's exposed. This is why blacks can't get a loan because of people like this person or that person. But if you go to an industrial bank, black-owned bank, and you put your money there, you value it a little more. And again, I'm not trying to be racist. I'm not trying to divide anybody. But what I'm telling you is, if people like Donald Trump continue to espouse the type of crap they're espousing, and he is somehow elected, somehow, you might have to go back to that way of living in order to prove a point over the four years or eight years, or whatever it is he he would get. Because life for everybody else is going to be rough. You put one of your your, your, uh, reality show winners in charge of your African-American community outreach program, who happened to be married to Michael Clark Duncan, and Michael Clark Duncan died while they were married, And the family feels as though she killed him. I'm not saying she did. This is reported that this is how the family feels about Omarosa. She's a minister now, and she's ministering at churches about voting for Donald Trump. I thought the pulpit wasn't meant for that. Donald Trump's highest ethnic position. 
that out. All right, all right we're going to get for this. I know, but I want to get that on my chest and all that of football. Brother? Jerry? Your mic, your mic is going downhill. Start off all right. Now you're breaking up. Okay, I said uh, let's go from um, – Let's go to football, okay? No problem. All no right. Problem. With that being said, hopefully you had time to, to rank your top 15 defensive players because I got mine right here. And when it's time to talk football, we got to send some bulls on parade. No! 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 Carrying the ball 20 times a game requires power and valor, not niftiness. The water bug and whippet backs rarely survive the wail and howl of the banshee. Stack defenses in the pros. They must meld the butt of a billy goat with a sudden surge of a sprint. He does not move with polish or slickness. His method is not Grand Prix, but demolition derby. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, here's the deal. Um... It's August, the very first football game of the season. It's happening this Sunday night, the Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony happens, uh, what, in a few hours, right? Yeah, uh, yes, on a few hours, yes. I think it's 7 and or 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, so football is officially back. And I'm happy, even though I enjoyed a little bit of the basketball season. Baseball's looking like it's very, very good to me. How about you, Jerry? <laughs> but we're not talking about baseball. Uh, let's get in here and discuss some individual defensive positional players, starting with defensive linemen. Lemonade. Okay, so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to give you my top players starting from 15 going to one. My question to JT is, and I'll let him answer it, where should J.J. Watt be coming off that back surgery? Now, he was the, what, number three overall uh, top 100 NFL player this year, if I'm not mistaken, number three or number two? Is, Is that correct? Okay. Yes. That was last year. Where is he at this year? The young buck. He was number one he, last year. Well, that was last year. Let's see what where he is this year. Now, again, these individual players will be posted on our page, which is spotonradios.com. We're going to update it um, with our rankings. So just get ready for that. The audio and stuff having trouble with that, so that might go away. But uh, our rankings are what makes us. Now, last year's JT's offensive rankings were not that good. Weren't. But we'll see how they are this year. So let's start at my number 15. Um, now, Jerry might disagree with me, but I'm putting Olivia Vernon of the New York Football Giants at number 15. Uh, the reason why uh, we bet, and this is coming from one of the uh, publications, 
We'd bet that it was no coincidence Vernon enjoyed his best pro season uh, the year that Ndamukin Sue arrived in Miami. The Giants gave him a ton of money to be their new right in, and Vernon joins another talented line. Playing opposite Jason Pierre-Paul is a nice spot. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins pushes the pocket, and in 2015, rookie Ova, or I can't get his last name, sorry about that, should be ready to make some impact under a creative coordinator who can deploy them all. Now, again, I was very high on the Miami Dolphins' front line because of Indominican Sue. In particular, Cameron Wake. Cameron Wake's not in my top 15. Cameron Wake's not in my top 25 this year. Uh, but I believe they have him listed at linebacker anyway. Uh, but Olivier Vernon, he stepped up his game. He had a great season. And again, it was because of Indominican Sue. Um, I have him at number 15 because, yes, he's going to be opposite Pierre Paul. And I'm calling him the club master. Uh, ha, 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 because of his club. Um, but there's some young talent up there in York. Unfortunately, I don't think that Vernon is going to have that impact when you playing and you see double teams. They've got some decent line. I don't know. But last year, Vernon had uh, 41 solo tackles. He had uh, 61 total tackles with seven and a half sacks, which is pretty good for a defensive end. Um, but I think he should have had more considering what was on the opposite side of him and in the middle. But my number 15 player, Olivier Vernon. Your thoughts, JT? Um, I have him outside the 15. Um, he's got some upside. Um, he doesn't have the, in my opinion, the defensive line that's in Miami compared to defensive line in in um, New York is not the same. Um, and I think it, it, it's a downgraded def- defensive line in New York versus Miami. For that reason, totally. uh, for that reason, in my opinion, that uh, uh, the numbers he had um, last season is probably where he's going to be at this season. And I can also see him um, taking a step back uh, because of the uh, play of the line in Miami versus the play in, in, in New York. But he's he's uh, uh, he's a very good uh, defensive lineman, and like I said, he is below my 15. But he's got he's got the uh, upside. One of the uh, one of those guys that has upside. So he can easily get into the 15. But right now, I have him outside. Well, uh, again, the reason why I have him inside my 15 is because of uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, who happens to be my number 14. Now, here's here's why I got Pierre-Paul at 14. Um, he's thinking or he thought about getting prosthetic fingers put in, and they're trying to figure out, and I'm not sure if they have figured out, if he's going to use the club again, I know he was saying uh, he'll prefer not to have the. It, it hurt him on you know trying to make tackles and shedding blocks because he couldn't get a grip 
um, with two hands on, on the offensive lineman, which says he held a lot. But Pierre Paul, imagine nearly blowing one of your hands off and then battling NFL tackles just four months later. It's not surprising that JPP finished last season with only one sack, but he tallied seven QB hits over his eight games, failing to register one just twice. Pierre Paul should be conf- um, be uh, conf- what comfier with the hand this year. He's expected to move to left defensive end primarily, though coordinator Steve Spagnola could move JPP inside in certain uh, packages. Now, if they move JPP to defensive tackle, you know what I'm doing? I'm running right at JPP. That is right. Pierre Paul is not that big. Matter of fact, he's 6'5", 265. Excuse me, 6'5", 292. Okay? That's not that big for defensive tackle. I think J.J. Watt is, is... about that as well, but J.J. Watt is is a natural at that position in a 3-4, not a 4-3. I have him above people like Joey Bosa because I don't think Bosa is going to be an impactful player. Joey Bosa might not even, you know, play this preseason because of some issues with his contract. Um, Mr. Bosa is uh, um, his name, his, his, his first letter of his first name um, it's very conducive to what I think he's going to be. Junk? Bus. 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 First letter of his last oh. name. Bus. Okay. Well, I think he's going to be um, not even in my – well, he's not in my top 25. But Jason Pierre-Paul is my number uh, 14 player. Uh, now – Here's a guy. Here's a guy that I like, but I'm not in love. And a lot of people have him up higher in their rankings than I do. Um, and I'm in the because they get rid of the best inside locker in Detroit. I'm talking about Ziggy Ansa. Ansa ranked third in the league in sacks in his third season, and he tied for fourth in the NFL in total QB hits. Ansa didn't go consecutive games without a sack until weeks 15 and 16, and he knots at least one hit in every game. Ansa is enjoying his second straight full healthy offseason after arriving raw in 2013 and dealing with a shoulder issue in 2014. He's also entering his third season under coordinator Terrell Austin. Now, here's the thing. Ziggy is good. Don't get me wrong. I think Ansa is good. But we have got to remember that defensive ends, they their presence is uh it's more dominant. It's more dominant when you have a, a great defensive tackle or a solid defensive tackle. Now I know Haloti not is up there, got it. And he definitely isn't the type of player that he once was. So even though Ziggy Ansa had a you know very good year last year, I don't think at six six two seventy eight uh without Steven Tulloch 
without Steven Tulloch controlling the, the game on the defensive side, because that's what Steven Tulloch did, uh, that he's going to have that good of a, of a year this year. He'll be good, but not top 10 worthy. And I say Tulloch is important to that defense is because he could cover a back or a tight end, which then means the quarterback has to stay in the pocket looking for someone else. Getting Ziggy Ansa an opportunity to get the sack, the pressure, or the hit. Now, there wasn't much push up the middle from Detroit. I can tell you this. Without Tulloch, there will be no push up front, on the side, anywhere. I just don't think that uh, he's going to be able to beat the double teams and, and, and be that dominant. Now, again, he's my number 13, but I think he's going to be pretty good. Your thoughts, JT? I have Mr. Ansa a lot higher than you have him. But I think uh, um, he's going to shine extremely well coming out uh, this year. So um, I got him within my top ten. You have him outside of it. I, I say he. a lot of people have him ranked extremely high as a defensive uh, lineman. Uh, I've seen him rank four, five, uh, number three, but I don't. Let's move on uh, to my number. What? Uh, well, yeah, number twelve. Now the guy I'm about to give you number twelve. You and I are going to disagree on. We did last year because I had him in the top ten and. You said he should have been like number two or number three, but you were wrong. I was right. I'm talking about Everson Griffin. Griffin probably would have de- uh, delivered better numbers this uh, than his still solid 2015 line if not for a right shoulder injury that dogged him for half the year. Griffin said in April that he was back to 100%, and he told the team website, that he was working on new pass rushing moves while getting back to leveraging his top end speed. A loaded D-line plus another year in Coach Mike Zimmer's uh, complicated scheme only last year, Everson played 15 games. Mm. Sorry about that. 15 games, he had 44 total tackles, Ten and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and four pass defenses. Now, that's a good line. Don't get me wrong. That is a very good line. However, if you're going to be in the top ten or top five as a defensive lineman, you need to have a little more than that. You got to have more tackles. Because if, I, if I'm going to pick you, and I have to put, you know, pick a defensive lineman. I don't pick a guy just as a throwaway. I can't pick a throwaway, you know, position because those points that you get me every week are going to help me win or lose. So last year, 
and if you look at his numbers, years. I mean, uh, they they fluctuated. So his first season, he had 27 tackles. Uh, 2014, he had 56, and last year he had 44. Um, I know he's a defensive tackle, and his job isn't to, you know, get a bunch of tackles. He's got to clog the middle so that the linebackers can get them, get the tackles, that is. But my top defensive linemen all have um, – well, not all of them. Let me, let me change that. All but one have 60 or more tackles. 60 or more. Okay. So that means they're being very active. Just just putting it out there. Okay. So let's move on to my number. I got this guy at number 11 because I think uh, I like him a lot. I like him a lot this year. And it's only because of, I think he's better than Olivier Vernon. And he's going to be in a system that allows him to show off a bit. And I'm talking about Mario Williams. Now, Mario's 31 this year, right? He's 6'6", 292 pounds. But Williams publicly questioned a Rex Ryan defense that dropped him into coverage at times. In Miami, Williams should start at right end on a line anchored by Indomitian Sue. Williams told the team website in April that he'd bring a great attitude and top effort. He carries the upside of five career double-digit sack seasons but is 31 and has never produced many tackles. Bump him up a few spots in sack-heavy formats. Now, here's the exception to that. Well, he's my number four, so I, I guess it's not an exception. Um, this is my number 10 or number 11. I think it's my number 11. Um, here's that exception. Mario Williams is a sack machine. He's a sack machine, and he's going to force fumbles, and he's going to do a lot of disruptive stuff. You pair him with Indominican Sue, and if, if Shane, if, if Olivier Ver, Vernon can have 61 tackles last year, Mario Williams can have maybe 80, 90 tackles this year. He is way better than uh, Vernon even at 31. He puts his fingers down in the ground and he rushes the passer. And, and he can make tackles. The thing is, how's Cameron Wake going to be? But I do know that Mario Williams is, is going to be on the same side as Indominican Sioux. And that is going to be extremely destructive and disruptive for the Miami Dolphins front four. I think the Miami Dolphins have one of the best front four in the game, if not the best front four. Um, But we're going to talk about some Jets players and and some, some Rams players and stuff like that. But right now, Mario Williams, my number 11 player. What you got, JT? Not even in my top 
10. Not even in my I top know. 20. Not even in my I know. top Mary Williams? No way. Uh, but again, again, I'm basing this off of Indominus Sue. I understand that Sue is a very good uh, defensive lineman, but Mario Williams, come on, man. Uh, I don't think so. Don't think so. Um, he Before Rex Ryan came, uh, he was um, 37 tackles, six assists. That's in 2014. 37 tackles, six assists. He did have 14 and a half sacks, but, and, and he played it in 16 games. So what do you expect Mario Williams to have going to? And, and Buffalo was a very good defense. And, and, and a year before back. that. They dropped him back a lot, though. I'm talking about 2014. Rex Ryan wasn't there in 2014. Rex Ryan okay. was there last, last okay. year in 2014. 2013, yeah. Mario Williams. 15 games he played, 28 tackles, 10 assists, which is 38 uh, tackles, either assisted or total uh, single tackles, 13 sacks. What do you expect Mario Williams to be? Right now, it looks like, let me see now, if you uh, add these add the, these uh, tackles and assists up, that's uh, 38 and 40, uh, 43. That's 81. 81 in two seasons. Either uh, assisted or total tackles. 81. And you tell me he's going to have 80 in one season? I don't think so. Don't think so. Um, no way. And, and, and 2013-2014, Buffalo defense was very good. And he had some um, – I'm, I'm trying to think who else was on that line besides Mario Williams before, before they – they moved on to uh, Rex Ryan. So he's going down to Miami. He's an older guy. Uh, I'm saying he's with, uh, in Dominic Sue. But if he gets 40 tackles out of him, uh, uh, that's probably his max. Because the last two seasons, he hasn't gotten uh, 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 40 or, or 45, I should say, if you include assist. So I don't know where you're getting 80 tackles at. I'm projecting 80 tackles because um, I really think uh, that, and we lost Jerry for a second, but I really think that if Olivia Vernon can amass 61 total tackles, and I, I strongly believe that Mario Williams is better than Olivia Vernon, that it can happen. I really do. Some people don't think that. Some people think that he's he's washed up. He's he's you know um he's in a system that is okay, but they don't think it's going to happen. You know, I I disagree with that mindset, but hey, it is what it is, JT. I still got love for you, baby. Um let me get to my top 10, brother. You ready? He dropped again. JT dropped again. Um, let's go to Quan like short because he's a very good player. Uh, I think that his abilities are, are extremely uh, vaunted, especially since he came in. Everybody was like, nobody can can replace Greg Hardy. 
or anything like that. Well, Quan Short, he came in and he did better than replace uh, Greg Hardy. He had 11 total sacks of somebody that wasn't expected to be that good. You know, but here we go. Short saw his playing time increase for the second straight season 2015 while progressing from uh, intriguing to dominating as a pass rusher. His 16 tackles for a loss tied for eighth in the league. 11 sacks tied Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald for tops among defensive tackles. Carolina added defensive tackle uh, Vernon Butler in the draft and retained veteran DN Charles Johnson. Defensive end Coney should be a start. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that uh, Short replaced Hardy because they're two different positions. But I think Short is a very dominant defensive tackle. Um, last year, he did a lot better uh, than the year prior because at 6'3, he's kind of short for a defensive tackle, but he's 315 pounds. Last year, they 11 sacks. 55, 55 tackles, uh, what, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and four pass defenses as a defensive tackle. Production, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about, production. Uh, what do you think about Kwan Short, JT, at my number uh, number 10? Well, now you're. Well, I don't know about number ten, but but now you're 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 cooking with some little bit of gas here. Uh, you you come back down to your senses. Um, and Kawan Short is is one of those players that um, help you come down to um, talking some uh, some freaking sense. Uh, I like this guy a lot. Uh, I think he's got uh, some nice upside. Um, past, uh, he's only been in the league since 2003, where when he was drafted in the second round. So he's only had three years. I think he is um, um, going to going to give you consistent production. Um, now that he's in a, in a, in a uh, in a position that he's in right now, um, and uh, I like him to to to, to maintain what he's done uh, the, the past season. I like Quan Short a lot. I have him right. in my top fifty, and, and, uh, but I like him a lot. Okay, yeah, I got him at my number 10. Let's move on up a little bit. Um, at number nine, if I'm not mistaken, I have Fletcher Cox. Uh, now, Fletcher just signed a huge contract. Huge contract. But the Eagles' top defensive player is looking for uh, a situation to keep him away from most uh, – away for most of the off season. Now this, this stuff is a little old here, but uh, he wants to be in a good four, three. So he moves the, I, I believe the Eagles are, have moved to a four, three. I'm not sure if they're still in a three, four hybrid or whatever, but a four, three is what he's under. Um, and he has a new uh, coordinator, Jim Schwartz. They could fit him in. And Jim Schwartz, if anything, is a hard-nosed, extremely uh, brilliant defensive coordinator. Head coach, not sure. Defensive coordinator, yes. If you look at his hair, he's got mobster hair. I like to call it mobster hair. Uh, so 
anytime you got mobster hair and you're working in Philly, eh, I don't know. Sopranos, maybe. Maybe. Fletcher Cox is going to be worth all the money they're paying him. Um, last year, so I thought they switched to a 4-3, though, because Schwartz does a 4-3. I haven't seen him do a 3-4. Okay. Well, I'm looking here, and it tells me the base defense is a 3-4, so. Okay. Until okay. Well, let's. He's supposed to be the right end. So. Well, he's, he's what, 6-4, 300 pounds. So, yeah, that's a 3-4. That's a 3-4. But check out the numbers on this guy. 71 total tackles last year. 71. Nine and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two pass defense. This guy is worth the money. Played all 16 games. And out of those 71 tackles, 50 were solo. Linemen. In my fantasy draft, I want somebody that's going to be active and around the ball, whether it's the passer or the runner. Fletcher is one of those guys that I'm sure when I pick him, he's going to produce. He might not give me double-digit tackles or whatever every week, but he's going to give me points, and every point counts in fantasy football. So what are your thoughts about Fletcher? Cox. Oh, boy. You all right? I'm good. <laughs> you, you, you emphasize that Cox. Are you all right? That's what I'm asking. I was doing that on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like. Oh, really? Cox. Really? <laughs> I, like, I like. I like Fletcher. Notice I am not saying his last name. I like Fletcher no, a you, lot. No, you said. It. You said his last name. You said his <laughs> last name. We're gonna listen. <laughs> listen back to the show. <laughs> I like Fletcher a lot, um, uh, and, and I have him within my top ten. Uh, when I get around to my, my uh, rankings, um, some of these guys that you have, uh, I threw out um, easily, easily in the top 15 um, and, and put some other guys in there. But Fletcher Cox is within my top uh, ten, and uh, he's worth every penny because of the stats you just called out. All right. Number eight. My number eight guy, Carlos Dunlap. I like Carlos Dunlap a lot here. Dunlap finally broke through for uh, his first double-digit sack line last season, but it marked the third straight time he ranked among the league's top four in total QB hits. That doesn't guarantee future sack success, but it shows that 2015 was no fluke. This guy gets to the quarterback. Getting a defensive tackle, Geno Atkins, back last year after a 2013 midseason ACL tear helped the whole line. Defensive tackle Andrew Billings arrives via the draft to deepen the group. Now, Carlos Dunlap is really talented, uh, 6'6", 280. He's 27 years old, so he's in his prime as it pertains to a defensive uh, end or defensive player or NFL player for that matter. Um, if Geno Atkins can bully his way through the middle like he did a couple years ago, and last year he did okay. He did okay. Geno had seven 
which helped Carlos Dunlap get 13 and a half sacks last year. Uh, matter of fact, Carlos had 13 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, one pass defense, 55 total uh, tackles. But again, it's all predicated on the defensive tackle. It's all predicated on the defensive tackle. How well can the D tackle put pressure up the middle and take one or two blockers and leave that DN one-on-one? And if your DN is that good, he's going to beat the right tackle or left tackle. And Dunlap can do it, and he has. He's done it in the past. I think he'll do it again this year. Um, But the problem is, is that draft pick going to be worth it? Is Andrew Billings going to be impactful uh, beside Geno Atkins? Your thoughts on Carlos Dunlap, JT? I like Carlos Dunlap a lot. And uh, um, uh, I think uh, that... uh, He's, I have him ranked a little higher than um, than you have him. I have him a lot, a lot higher than you have him. So, um, and and, and uh, he's a epitome of consistency. All right, and and it seems like he's getting better. 2013, he had 16. He played in 16 games and had 58 um, tackles with seven and a half sacks. I'm not even going to get into pass defense, interceptions, or forced fumbles or forced fumble recoveries. 2014, he had 66 um, tackles, eight and a half sacks. 2015, his total tackles went down a little bit, but it, it, it was was at 55, like you said, and he had 13 and a half sacks. So he's not getting, he's getting better, um, and uh, I can see that he's going to be a consistent contributor on the Cincinnati's defense with about the same numbers. And the same amount of sacks. Um, definitely a, a guy that you want to get on your roster if you're playing IDPs. Definitely. Let's move to number seven. Number seven, I have Aaron Donaldson. I like Aaron Donaldson. Um, I don't Aaron know Donald. if I... Donald. Yeah, Donald. I'm sorry, Aaron Donald. I, I don't know if I like him as much on grass as I did on turf. He's a fast guy. At 6'1", 285 pounds, this guy is is aggressive and he's great. So Donaldson delivered on the promise of his college career and rookie season by ranking third in the league in both QB hits and tackles for loss in 2015. His 11 sacks tied Quan Short and Geno Atkins for the league among deep tackles with no other surpassing uh, eight and a half. Donald plays on a loaded D-line that will officially replace Chris Long uh, with William Hayes after doing so for for most of last season, meaning he stepped in a lot last year. L.A. also added Patriots cast-off Dominique Easley. Now, Donald is a beast. Second year, he had 11 sacks, 69 total tackles, 69, okay? 
Um, as I said, when I'm looking for defensive linemen, I'm looking for production. You don't have to always get the sack for me, but tackles are a must. They are a must. Um, and Donald does that from a defensive tackle position, right? So I have him right, ranked here because I think my other players, uh, remaining players, will provide more push. I think they just have more working for them than Donaldson does. Donald, but, uh, Donald. Donald, yeah, I keep. I want to say Donaldson, uh, but Aaron Donald. Tell me where you uh, where you got him, JT, and uh, your thoughts. He's in my top five, man. I mean, he's he's way up there. Uh, Aaron Donald, second year in the league, and he had uh, seventy one total tackles with eleven sacks. He's only going to get better. Twenty five years old. He's only going to get better. And he, remember, he played half his games on other services, whether it was grass or turf. He played half his game on other services. So um, he's just as, as effective on grass as he is on turf. So I project him to be just about what he was last year, um, about 60, 60 to 70 uh, total tackles and around, roughly around 11, 11, 11, 12 sacks. And he may even be better than that depending on how well – his uh, um, his uh, other running mate, I, I gather, his other running mate you do have on his list somewhere um, in the next few picks. I do. Can I get to him? Go ahead. Now that's why I stopped. I'm listening. Okay. Well, I don't have him just yet, but here's the deal. Uh, I got a guy that deserved to be paid. And I believe he did get mm-hmm. paid. Mm-hmm. Talk about Mohammed Wilkerson. Yep. Mohammed Wilkerson, they just reportedly uh, they filled trade offers his offseason for him, but eventually, you know, they signed him. But this kid, this kid is a beast. Straight up and down. They needed him, especially if they hoped to have um, Leonard Williams step up and become a better player. Uh, Player like Williams last year, just example. Leonard Williams had 60, 63 before he got injured. Okay? And three sacks. Muhammad Wilkerson had 64 from the defensive tackle, plus 12 sacks, two forced fumbles, seven pass defenses. Now I know I have a lot of defensive ends in my top uh, 15. But there's a reason for it. There is a reason for it, okay? These guys are straight monsters. He's my number five guy, by the way. Muhammad Wilkerson is. Um, Now, the thing is, now that he's been paid, will the performance come? That's the question. Will the performance still be there? Um. History says no for people to get paid, but at defensive tackle where you got to be nasty and you got to make some people mad and you're in that Todd Bowles defense, person is is going to be that beast. That's why I have him at number five. Go ahead, JT. Well, uh, I feel that, that you, you got him um, right on point there. Um, I, 
I think he's still going to play hard because I think he loves the game of football and more incentive to – you can look at it two ways. And you look, you looked at it, the, the glass half empty. I looked at it, the glass half full. Meaning you looked at it like now that he got paid, is he going to play um, as hard as when he was looking for a new contract? I'm looking at it as now he, he's gotten paid, and now he's going to prove people that this is why you paid me. Um, and, and uh, come out there and play the monster role as he has in the past. Um, and I can't see anything different. I think he's going to um, get come close to same, matching the same numbers um, and the same amount of sacks. Um, they have a pretty nasty defense, and with the pieces that they have in place along with Mohammed, I think he'll be able to be just as effective as he was last year. Okay, not a problem. Uh, let's go to my number four guy. And he's my number four guy because I like where this guy is now. Before, he was in a very good situation, very good situation. But now, I think he's in an even better situation. And he got traded. Don't know why he got traded. Not sure. I know he was traded for offensive linemen. But I'm talking about Chandler Jones. The only bad thing about Jones' move to Arizona is that it will get him uh, listed at linebacker in many fantasy leagues. If you're still, uh, if yours still has him on the line, though, Jones will be better than He'll fill the same edge rushing role as always, whether he has a hand on the ground or not. Jones' durability could be better, but he missed more than two games only once. Now, here's the deal. Okay, 2013, he had 79 total tackles, 11 and a half sacks. 14, he had 43 and 6. Last year, 44 and 12 and a half, one interception, four forced fumbles, two pass defenses. Here's why I have him ranked so high. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you guys that a defensive end their production is based upon the defensive tackle. And I'm going to take you back a little bit in history. Carlos Dansby, not Carlos Dansby, but he, yeah, he was a Cardinal too. But uh, there was a, a defensive tackle in Arizona. And I can't remember his last name. It begins with a D. But while, uh, this mammoth of a man, Carlos, ah, I want to say Dansby. I really do, but I'm not sure. Um, but he he was a destructive force in the middle. You're not, he you're not talking about Darnell Dockett, are you? Darnell Dockett, thank you, thank you. Darnell Dockett, thank you. Darnell Dockett was a destructive force at defensive tackle for the Cardinals. He made life better for Calais Campbell. Now, Calais Campbell... He moves inside to D-tackle, which allows for Chandler Jones to remain on the outside as a linebacker slash DN pass rushing type dude. Listen to what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen. Chandler Jones will be that monster. He he wasn't even in my top 10 last year or 15 last year. I don't think he was. I got to look at the numbers. But this year... I have him at number four. 
because he's going to a system that he is going to flourish in. You're going to see 70-something-plus tackles with him again this year. I really believe you are. Um, One, because Carlos Dansby, uh, not Carlos Dansby, I'm sorry, Calais Campbell is going to eat up uh, two defensive, I mean, offensive linemen at one time. He, he just is. Then you have those linebackers that are in uh, Arizona. You got to account for them blitzing as well. And Chandler Jones, he's good. He's, he's not just good. He's damn good. So you put him on that defense that loves to play man-to-man and blitzes a lot, oh, my. Just imagine. Just imagine the numbers he's going to put up. That's why I have Chandler Jones listed at number four. I don't have him uh, in it. No way. Uh, He is listed on ESPN as a linebacker and defensive end. So um, he is probably a – that you can pick up late in the rounds and get get the top 15, top 10 uh, production out of, and you don't have to um, – let me put it this way. You, you, maybe, you should probably be able to get him on the cheap in, in your fantasy drafts um, versus the other name guys that uh, Vic has, has talked to you. Because uh, I don't think uh, he'll probably be an afterthought, maybe not to Victor, maybe not to me, but – a lot of people he may be an afterthought because he's not a household or well-known name. Um, but uh, Chandler Jones, he'll give you value because he, he um, is eligible in two positions. Even more of a reason to, to pick him up, in my opinion. All right, let's move up to my top three players. Um, now, I'm only going to put this guy no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to do it this way. I don't know where Jerry has him, but I got him right here. The Rams didn't shut Quinn down until mid-November, but his playing time began to dwindle a month earlier. A back injury landed him on injured reserve and required December surgery that limited his offseason. We'll need to watch Quinn in camp to make sure He's all the way back. If he is, we're talking about the guy who led all defensive ends in sacks in 2013. He will return, excuse me, he will continue to play on a loaded line with William Hayes and for Chris Long, alongside Aaron Donald. Now, last year, he didn't play but half the season, okay? But, but, I think after his surgery, that he's going to be a pretty good player uh, again. I think the grass is going to help him mainly because um, turf is not that much give, especially when you're hitting it and you're cutting. And if he gets pancaked or stood up and hit in the back, it's, it's going to suck, really, really suck. But uh, I have Robert Quinn at number three. Back surgeries are very, very bad for defensive players. Ask Geno Atkins, who tore his ACL and all that, how long it took for him to get back. But he also developed 
some back injuries or some back ailments. Um, I think Robert Quinn is going to suffer through that just a little bit, but you can't pass up on him for the mere fact that he is such a dominant player. 2013, 19 sacks. 2014, 10 and a half. Of course, last year, five. He only did four game, I mean, eight games. But the sack numbers dwindle. The total tackles dwindle. But I think he's going to step up just a bit. Just a bit. Especially with uh, William Hayes uh, coming in and, and being a little bit of a disruptive force. Your thoughts, Robert Quinn. Well, I have Robert Quinn up there in the top five, and uh, I think you you said he was number three for you. Um, yes, I have him. I have him uh, within the top five, so uh, we're not too far off. And just like you alluded to, there's some upside there for the simple fact that he's coming back from surgery, and uh, I think they won't put him out there unless he's totally healthy and able to do what he did uh, uh, in 2014-2013. Okay, I thought you were going to say some more. <laughs> All right. Last two, ladies and gentlemen. Last two of the hour. Let's get to that hour of power. Now, there are two names that I'm quite sure you guys are wondering. Why haven't I said their names? Well, I'm going to say them now. Here's the deal, though. Which order am I going to put them in? I love J.J. Watt. But I don't think J.J. Watt's going to be the number one defensive player this year, defensive lineman or defensive player this year. He's coming off of a back surgery as well, um, and he's been jogging even though he, he's not supposed to. Uh, he's also not scheduled as of yet to play week one. Physicians and trainers are like, okay, well, we can hope that you play week one, but they don't know if you're going to play. So here's what has to happen. Watt had only one three-game streak without a sack last season and was playing with a cast while recovering from a broken thumb in two of, his, in two of those games. He finished six other contests with two-plus sacks and still led the league for the season with 17-and-a-half. There have been only 33 player seasons of 17-and-a-half sacks or more since the stat became official in 1982. Watt owns three of them. Now, listen to these numbers. Total tackles, 80 in 2013, 78 and 14, 76 and 15, 10 and a half sacks, 20 and a half sacks, 17 and a half sacks. But here's where J.J. Watt shines and makes him even better. 2013, four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, seven pass defenses. Swat them, them is what they call them. 2014, one interception, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, ten pass defenses, two defensive touchdowns. 2015, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, eight pass defenses. This guy, I know he's coming off an injury, back surgery, and it was rather late when he got the surgery because he played all 16 games. <sighs> Sorry, but man, oh, man, oh, man. He's already got the bionic arm. Now he's going to have the bionic back. Uh, he's, he's getting nicked up, but he's still productive. 
I know he's on JT's team. And I know JT's probably going to be a little mad at me for having at number two. But I got him at number two, guys. I got him at number two. JT, what are your thoughts? He's number one in my book. Uh, I knew. Until, I know. Until somebody uh, is worthy of uh, the numbers that he put, he's putting up, then um, I'll, I'll admit it. But right now, J.J. Watt is a time – is the number one in my book. Let me put it that way. With the numbers you just spouted out there, there's no, there's no other defensive lineman that can match those numbers. That production ain't happening. Talk to me. Who's number one in your book, Mr. FSP? Well, I'll tell you who's number one in my book. A guy that really isn't a defensive lineman, but he plays that position. And his numbers are comparable to J.J., except, except in the past defense and all that. I'm talking about Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack earned all-pro on, but he plays defensive line. He's a DN. So, he, he, Khalil he Mack. A He's a DN and linebacker in. Um, Just like um, Chandler Jones. Just he, he, like Chandler he, he, Jones. ESPN, ESPN and Yahoo and Yahoo. Mac, Mac earned all pro honors, a defensive end and linebacker. So it's understandable that his fantasy designation differs. The D line tag obviously raises his value given that his 77 tackles led all linemen, but would have tied just 50th among linebackers. Max 23 tackles for a loss ranked second league wide. Oakland added Bruce Irving to the other edge. So the defense should be better even with Alden Smith's not available. Listen, Alden Smith is done, okay, whatever. He wants to smoke weed. He wants to roll blunts, whatever. You put Bruce Irving on one end, Khalil Mack on the other end. Okay, here's a stat line. 2014, 75 tackles. Four sacks, one forced fumble, three pass defense. Last year, 77 tackles, 15 sacks, two forced fumbles, two pass defenses. I see him getting close to 80 again, total tackles, maybe two interceptions, maybe, maybe three forced fumbles uh, and a bunch of pass deflections because I think they're going to throw his way. You got Bruce Irving coming off the right end. Now, they're going to run at Bruce. Let's just get that, this, this straight. When he was in Seattle, teams ran at him. And I can see it happening here, too. Only because the defensive line of the Raiders is not that solid. And when you have pass rushers, two dominant pass rushers, I'm going to run at you. I'm going to make those pass rushers respect my run and set him up for play action. But I believe Khalil Mack, if he's on the line and Bruce is on the line, they're going to rush Bruce and drop Khalil. Because Bruce Irvings is not a, a drop-back type of, of linebacker, DN. Um, but Khalil Mack is my number one overall fantasy defensive lineman. Your thoughts, JT? Uh, I don't even have him in my top 10, top 15, top 25. 
Because you don't have him as a as, as a as a lineman. Exactly. Exactly. But he is. But he is. Well, I mean, he'll be listed. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but um, uh, I I, I have JJ Watt as number one. Um, and, and roughly, we got about a minute before a minute and a half. Um, I'll just run down what I have in my top fifteen: Everson Griffin, Kwan Short, Connor Barwin. Rob Ninkovich, Jarrell Casey, Cliff Averill, Cameron Jordan, and Dominic Sue was my number eight. Then we go to Niggy Ansar, seven, Fletcher Cox, six, Muhammad Wilkinson, uh, five, uh, Robert Quinn, four, Aaron Donald, three, Carlos Dunlap, excuse me, Carlos Dunlap, two, and J.J. Watt, uno, numero uno. Okay, do me a favor then. Yes, sir. I, I- Where's Casey? He's not even in my top 30. Jarrell Casey's number 11. Okay. And why do you have him at number 11? Over, mm-hmm. for instance, for instance, uh, over Chandler or, or over uh, Calais Campbell. Why do I have him there? 6'3", 260. 2013, he had 20, 20 tackles, 8 sacks. Uh, four pass defense, five fumble recoveries, and one fumble. 2014, uh, he had, and this is thir- the last two seasons, he's played 13 games. 16 tackles, uh, excuse me, 20 tackles, five and a half sacks, um, and, and just, just follow me here. 2015, he had 31, uh, excuse me, 49 sacks, six pass defense, two fumble recoveries. He's trending up. I think he's going to have a big year this year. Hold on a minute. I'm totally wrong. I'm looking at somebody else's stats. <laughs> wow. 2013. That was five or six. 2013, he had 53 tackles, nine and a half sacks, two pass defense and one fumble recovery and one fumble, forced fumble. 2014, 68 tackles, five sacks, one pass defense. 2015, 55 tackles, seven sacks, three pass defense. That was on uh, uh, a, a nice Tennessee team, um, and, and I think he's rounding into shape. Uh, he's getting better, and I think he's going to have a better year quite naturally. I think he's going to get more sacks and, and, and a combination of uh, uh, assists and tackles that are, gonna, that are going to be close to the 70 range. And uh, – that's why I have him where I have him at number 11. Okay. Irrespectable. But we see who's looking at their numbers right and wrong, ladies and gentlemen. We see who's doing that. You know, it, it's a legit <laughs> mistake. Legit mistake. I admitted my <laughs> mistake. And why can't you? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this. We both did not have Michael Bennett in our top. 15, top 25. Nope. I, nope. Om- I, omit- I omit it. Calais um, Campbell, because I think he's, he's going to dip a little bit this year. Um, neither one of us had Sheldon Richardson, uh, nope. Vic Beasley, or nope. Derek Wolf or, or Gerald McCoy nope. in, in our tops. Um, nope. And I think that, that speaks to a lot. Uh, I like McCoy. I don't think he's that dominant anymore. With that defense, because it's a totally different style of defense, um, 
uh, uh, Sheldon Richardson, again, I like him, but he's really declining, coming off of injury. I mean, only played 11 games last year. Coney Ely, I like him, but he's not that impactful. He needs Short and others to, to step up for him. Vic Beasley. Now, I know last year was Vic's first year, and he should do well this year, but I don't see any other help on that defensive line for, for Beasley. Um, and he's rehabbed an injury instead of getting surgery. So I don't know. He had a torn shoulder labrum, and he rehabbed it, and he didn't get surgery on it. So that does not speak volumes. I mean, it speaks volumes to me as a, uh, as, as a guy that, that's a pass rusher. You want to rehab it? That thing's going to probably tear again. You should have had surgery, in my opinion. We also didn't have Cameron Jordan. In our, well, I didn't have Cameron Jordan in my top 15 um, again. I don't think – I know New Orleans might have a better defense this year. I just don't think it's going to be that good this year. Uh, next week, next week, now that we've, we've taken that out of the way, we're going to hit our DBs, baby, defensive backs. That includes safeties and cornerbacks. Uh, just be prepared to discuss and throw a fuss on these players and how they're going to do this year. I can tell you right now, you're going to be surprised by somebody that's in my top three. You're going to be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. And my number one might not be who you think it is. We'll see. With that being said, JT, what you got going on tomorrow on the Master Plan? Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Master Plan. On the Master Plan, I should say. I got Mac, a little distracted about Mac. Yeah, yeah <laughs> on the Master Plan. Yeah, the Master Plan. Um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. Um, I was supposed to do the quarterbacks last week. Started quarterbacks, got into a conversation, got distracted, and didn't didn't accomplish that. But never, never worry, because I'm going to do double up this year. Excuse me, double up this week on Sunday. Quarterbacks and who they throw to, wide receivers. So it's not going to be an hour show. It's going to be a two-hour show because I'm going to break down quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, uh, top 25, and sleepers that I think. And you're going to be surprised about some quarterbacks and some wide receivers that I think are going to show you um, – what they're made of this this year, and, and I'm really excited to um, push it out there tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sunday morning, master plan. Well, who'd you get in a conversation with, and what was the conversation about? It was it was a political conversation, um, uh. and the cat, your cousin called, and uh, we had a uh, a, a nice nice uh, conversation for for the majority of the show. That's pretty good. I'm very happy for you. I'm glad he's deciding to what. Any, any, let me put it this way. Anytime I want, oh boy. And he told me this that anytime, and I should have known it. All I had to do was uh, contact him via a text or a phone call, and he'll be on there. Um, Here we if go. It, anytime. Really. So, really. Yeah. So absolutely. It, I mean. 
Excuse me? I'm sorry, Victor. You're breaking up. What did you say? I said I know why you did that. You're trying to throw salt in my wound. Trying to throw salt in my wound. Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He, no, I'm not, not, not that that I had no malice in my heart when I said that. I was just saying because uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and I should have thought about him. I had a couple of gentlemen on there. One uh, from the West Coast, and the other guy was a Skype call. I'm not exactly sure where he was. Two opposite uh, uh, opinions on um, um, the, the political atmosphere. And uh, it would have been nice that I didn't think about it at the time to have McCall sitting up there too. So I just I just said um, last week he told me any time it, it, it was no malice in my heart. I wasn't trying to. I you know I I don't know what you guys are dealing with. I have no idea. So neither do I. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Okay, whatever. Whatever. What do you mean? Here we go. I just said I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, uh, it's it's uh it's uh, just a, another person that uh, will jump on the air when, when needed. That's all. Um, I'm just saying. Some people, I, I got to coax to get on the air, I'm, and I'm not naming no, any names. I, I, but, you, but you're throwing shade. you throwing shade. Okay. You want to throw shade? Okay. All right, brother. You know my situation, though. You know, it's not I, like I... I understand the situation, but no, no, you don't. Because you, like, you're throwing well, shade. Seems, well, it seems like it's very tough, difficult to get in touch with you for one. Which is, uh, I can understand it. Well, um, well, let me let me tell, let me tell you the magic jack is messing up, and okay. I just before before we got on the call, um, I had to do a, like a, a a live chat to see if they could fix it. Um, that's why I have not returned any magic jack text or anything like that because every time I try it says my account's not uh, set up that way and I'm like is this a Kevin Hart joke <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh, but I, I was trying to get that fixed so it's not fixed yet but go ahead go ahead well the reason I'm saying this is uh, I'm it's um, if 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 you are not Going to have a show. I like to get some uh, uh, some really heads up notice versus at the at the last minute, um, because I, I you know I can I can do other things versus sitting here. Not, not, I'm not disparaging. You're just saying sitting here, wondering if you're going to do a show or not. Well, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got that boy get sabotaged too, you know. S- sabotage. Mm-hmm. Why would I sabotage the show? No, no, you got to avoid getting sabotaged. Oh, avoid getting sabotaged. Okay. All right. Well, you're breaking up, and it's time to go. It's three forty a.m. where I am, and I got to get in and and get some sleep before I get up in about three hours to watch the Hall of Fame. So with that being said, uh, tomorrow, enjoy JT and his uh, double down on some stuff. Next week, defensive backs right on the Not Oh, my, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think I'm at work. Right here. <laughs> wow. 
Dude, I felt like I was at work. <laughs> wow. Right here. Take a deep breath. Fantasy, yeah, on fantasy sports and politics. Thank you, JT. Appreciate you, brother. We Thank are out of here. Fantasy sports and politics. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live, you know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We're talking fantasy sports and Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.